morning, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of Coffee, Jim and James. James, when I woke up this morning, to say that I was anticipating this would be an understatement. To have a, a friend from the industry that spoke at EWNCon 2019, yeah. uh, a friend from Canada. I could keep going and going, but anyway. Oh, are you yeah. from Canada, Jimmy? Oh, no, Minnesota. You. Minnesota. Oh, it's the same thing. Same well, it's thing. close. That's well, close. I'm now the Canadians close. Would argue with you. So, <laughs> How often do you do? Hurry. <laughs> Anyways, I was I, I was really looking forward to this one this morning. This is going to be fantastic. James, how are you doing? And would you uh, bring our guest in? I so will. I am going? excited today to bring somebody to the show, Jamie McMillan. And Jamie, for those, Jimmy, you kind of hinted on it. Uh, she actually was one of our keynotes back in 2019 at yeah. the Energy World Net um, conference. And so we're kind of welcoming her back. Jamie, good morning. How are you? Good morning. I'm great. It's so nice to connect with you guys and be here. She, Jamie, she is full of energy. Just like I tell you what, you know? she looks just like her picture too. When her picture went down, she literally just wasn't holding a hammer. It was the first oh, time I know. I can grab one if you it's really want. Fine. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. That just shows uh, coolest background on the show in, in a while. No offense to all of our other guests, but... Jamie, welcome back. We appreciate you coming back. Yes. Um, I, so we reached out to Jamie, um, connected again here recently, I think on LinkedIn, and we started chatting. And Jamie's had quite a bit of change kind of in her own life over this past couple of years. And so reached back out, and we had all intention of bringing Jamie on the talk, just catch up and stuff. And then she started talking to us a little bit about her journey, and we thought, what a better way to bring her back than to yeah. wrap up our mental health series, uh, get out of your head yep. and bring Jamie on the talk. And I'm not going to spoil it for you, Jamie, but if you don't mind bringing everybody along, kind of give them your story. Um, and uh, then let's catch everybody up with what you've been doing over the last couple of years. All right. I will try to say this as quickly as possible. So I don't take up too much time. I was, when we I was have young, all day. You got the floor. Uh, you got okay. the floor. Okay. I, I'm going to just go back a little bit and say when I was young, I was in grade school and I struggled. I struggled with ADHD, learning disabilities. I was put into special education, which back when we were young, it was, you know, it wasn't regarded the same way. People didn't understand that people in special education were actually really brilliant in just a different way. And so because I got picked on and bullied throughout school and believed I was worthless and never smart enough to be anything, that really stuck in my mental health and it bothered me for years. Later on, when I ended up going to high school, I ended up changing my priorities a lot. I took a lot of shop classes. I really sucked at the academic stream, but I really shifted and I wanted to be popular. I wanted to have friends. I didn't want to get picked on and bullied. And so I dove into... A different type of lifestyle. I went from like a very Christian home to like a rebellious girl leaving home, dropping out of school. And it sent me on a really convoluted journey to find where I wanted to land. Um, it took me years to find myself. I went through a lot of ups and downs. I hit the party scene for a while, a lot older than most people do. And again, I hit a wall. I hit a wall in my 20s that was so detrimental that I at times would think about ending everything because mm. I didn't 
know how to cope. And thank God that I was raised in a home where we believed that, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't right to think that way. And I was actually kind of scared to think that way. Um, because, you know, in a lot of religions, you're scared of, if you take your life, you know, you don't know what the consequences will be. You have heaven, hell. I was scared of all of that. And thank, thank God, because I think that really saved me. But I ended up discovering skilled traits in 2002. And it literally saved my life. I found a career that opened doors of opportunities to me to earn while I learn and not to have to go back to school and build up all this debt, but to actually do the things I loved, working with my hands. This became the best medication for my ADHD. And I was working in environments where I will tell you, I'm not gonna lie and sugarcoat it, I love my job, but you don't always get to work with the most supportive people. There's a lot of, you know, issues that you run into onto job sites. I do not want to say it's specific to construction because we have these situations in all areas and aspects of life. And you, you know, you have to work with different kinds of people and you have to have, you know, that work ethic and ability to have the passion for your job to do it. Um, but because I was a woman in a construction industry, I signed up to become an iron worker regarded as one of the most dangerous jobs in the world. It's on the top 10 list. There was very few women in the construction site. I, I literally one time was on a job site with 400 men and just me. Another time I was in a camp job in the oil sands in Western Canada in a dorm with 52 rooms and I was the only girl. So I was put into different positions where I really had to learn and grow. And I struggled at times with the different attitudes and people that I worked with in the job site. But I recognized that there was a really limited number of women on these job sites. And I started to think how important it would be to promote skilled trades. And I started volunteering for different efforts, especially with Skills Canada, which you have a Skills USA. I went down to the Provincial Skills Canada chapter for Ontario. I became a mentor, a volunteer, and that ended up unraveling and I all of a sudden all these opportunities were presented to me panel speaking keynote speaking and, and I became a professional speaker and Jamie that's where kind of our story picked up it's about yeah. the same time because actually I don't know how we connected like what what it was someone liked a post you spoke somewhere something happened but I know when I reached out to you about the conference in 2019, you had just started down this journey, it felt like. Like you had uh, maybe just got an agent or just got, you know, someone to, to work on your behalf to get you signed up. Um, and you were very honest about that. You were like, I, I want to do it. I want to get out there. And so I once I kind of heard you speak, which Jim, I don't know how you felt, but just hearing Jamie tell her story just again feels like the same thing it's like but once i kind of yeah i felt that passion i was like yeah uh, book booked <laughs> so jamie joined us in 2019 tell us a little bit about that jamie all right well i would i i had been speaking to kids in schools for quite a few years by that time but i was really nervous about speaking to adults but people started reaching out they were like you're an expert on this subject, we want to get you to these things and talk about how we can uh, recruit and retain 
the next generation of construction workers into the industry. So when I got the opportunity, especially when they were like, you could go down to Texas, I'm like, oh my God. I was so excited about going to Texas to go and share my story. But I will tell you, I was super nervous because it's one thing to talk to kids. It's a whole mm. other thing to talk to an adult crowd. Well, wait a minute though. Let me let me just jump in here. Unless it's I was, Jim. I was in the yard. Uh, yeah, unless it's me. It's kind of the same. Uh, yeah. But uh, being in the audience when you were presenting at our conference in 2019, uh, I was captivated. The audience was captivated. And I can't tell you how many people afterwards said to me, wow, she does great. That message really came through. And we talked a little bit about it before uh, the pregame, as we call it. But when passion and purpose collide, it's a wonderful thing. And uh, I just wanted to pass that on to you. And I hope more and more people uh, search you out to uh, experience that because you do a wonderful job, Jamie. Thank you. I appreciate that. You're very welcome. So the story continues. Yeah. Now, wait, wasn't that, wasn't that entity, your company called kick ass careers? Can I say that on the internet? Can I say that? I don't know. We'll see. Okay. We'll see. But that's well, a, like, that was a name though, right? Kick ass careers. It is. And people were up it there is. like, can we say, can we listen to that? You know, and all I can't remember how we dealt with it. I think we just announced Jamie and let her say it is oh. what we determined. You know, Jamie, I'm a, I'm in charge of HR now since uh, we last <laughs> met. So, you know, we take this serious. No, please go ahead. Well, I, I'll be honest. So kick-ass careers was actually named by high school students in a Catholic school board. So <laughs> They found the name to be very engaging and fun, and they suggested it as the name, and I ran with it. There are a couple school boards that aren't big fans of it, and I don't use it when I speak to elementary students. I'll kind of avoid that just because it does have that word in it, the same word that's in ambassador. Um, <laughs> but we love the name. We think it's bold and engaging. And if you want to get kids' attention and you want to get them down to the gym instead of skipping class and going out the back door, you tell them kick-ass careers is presenting in the gym and they show up. <laughs> I love it. So Jamie, that that's kind of our flyover, your origin story. But we, like I said, we brought you back today because something a little bit different. And that's been the last couple of years and what's kind of transpired. So you call it kind of, um, I think you say on the tool or on the tool belt, you know, or on the tools. Um, how's that been the last couple of years? Tell us a little bit about that. Well, interestingly, after I had gone to the conference down in Texas, I came back and I was doing a lot of speaking engagements with students across the province of Ontario where I live. I got some calls to go out west, west coast. I went to a nice big conference in Portland. And then all of a sudden, boom, I come back to Canada March 11th of 2020. Yep. March 13th, the border shuts down and the whole world is just in this uproar. And I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm this social person. I just came back from the USA. I have to isolate now for 14 days by myself in a condo in the middle of the city. And I don't have toilet paper. <laughs> <laughs> Truth oh, comes out. But 
it yeah. was so tough. It was so yeah. tough to be this social person. And all of a sudden I had all these career opportunities that were lined up. My agent was picking up all these things for me that were corporate gigs. I was doing my school gigs. It all got shut down. And I was just like, what am I going to do? I had a plant job lined up. So there's a nuclear plant here in Canada. It's one of the biggest nuclear plants in the world, the Bruce Power Plant. And they were working with me and they were excited to have me go work there for the summer. They were going to offer me the summer job every year so that I can maintain my credibility and authenticity as a skilled trade professional. And boom, nothing. So I was lost. I didn't know what to do. I spent 16 days at home. And then I took off and went up north where there's a lot of ice and snow to go hang out with my family in Timmins. And I just, I couldn't handle the idea of not doing something with my life, not having a job, not having a purpose, just stagnating, I felt like. So I, I was on a stakeholders committee for the YWCA here in my city. And I had been one of the only women in trades that was on this committee to, you know, to equal the playing field in the skilled trades to represent women in trades. And they have a transitional living program and a women's shelter. And they had their CEO had put on LinkedIn that they were looking for volunteers. And I was like, bingo. So I sent Denise Christofferson, their CEO, an email. And I just said, I know you don't really know me all that well, but I'm on the stakeholders committee. I've met you a couple of times. I have experience as a PSW, personal support worker from my previous life before construction. I would love to help out in any way I can. And she passed down my information. I don't have a resume. I'm a contract construction worker. I've never had a resume, but she passed down my information and they knew who I was. And they gave me this wonderful opportunity to go into the shelter. The government started giving funds because the homelessness crisis was like at epidemic proportions because yep. of this, everything shutting down. Yep. And so they ended up giving me this paid position. And I was like, wow. And for some reason I have, like, I don't know why I just clicked with these people. I was so interested in sitting with them and hearing their stories. And I didn't judge them. I like, we seen some of the most horrific and sad cases coming into there. And I just wanted to find out all about their lives and find out how they got into these places. And because of that, Oh my God, I've met some of the most phenomenal human beings that I could have ever imagined meeting in my life. And it's just been a wonderful journey. So it's fascinating. And I'll share another story in a second. But so when you went into that, did it meet what you thought it was going to be like? Or was it totally different? You know, you went in kind of, you know, eyes wide open. Um, what was your initial thoughts when you were you know, the first week, second week, third week? Some of the cases were very difficult for me. And I will tell you, like, we deal with a lot of overdose situations too. And okay. I like, thank goodness we have counselors and stuff there because I, like, I remember two shifts that weren't even 12 hours apart. There was an overdose at the end of one and an overdose at the beginning of the next shift. And I remember sitting on my knees holding this person by the wrist, waiting for a pulse to come back as everybody's doing chest compressions and everything. And I'm crying. And I just like, it was just such an experience. And they brought this person back to life. And I was just like, oh, it 
instead of like detouring me from it and making me want to leave this, it made me want to help more because love that. Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah, we shared before and I'm going on, it'll be 11 years sobriety this July. And during COVID, I've been uh, volunteering at a recovery, church recovery group every Tuesday when I'm in town. And I tell you, I really understand and respect your thought process about getting to know somebody because as as we talk about, nobody really, for the most part, wakes up in the morning and says, I'm going to become an addict or I'm going to become an alcoholic. Things happen. And a lot of times there's things behind the scenes that said, oh, I'm going to mask out these feelings with alcohol or drugs or whatever the case may be. And it's, you know, it is fun. And I'll say fun in a good way when you can have a conversation with somebody and you get past the, the stuff on the surface, the addictions or the uh, or whatever it is, and you get down to the, you know, who they are and what they what they've experienced and some of those trials and tribulations and the things. And to learn about that, I've met some great friends. And uh, if we had been just over at the grocery store, we may never have even met. So I, I I absolutely respect that idea of inter, you know, connecting with folks and um, having just having some good understanding and sharing of knowledge too, because that's what a lot of them want to do. They want to share and they want to get knowledge. They want to give and get. So, congratulations on your sobriety, by the way. That's very, very impressive. Well, thank you. No, I appreciate that. And I and I I said to my wife and all those in my family, if I can go COVID for the two years of COVID with everything mm. without having any relapse and, and being very serious. So many people have relapsed during this time. I am fortunate to not have, but so many people that, that I meet at the recovery church that they're like, yeah, I was going good. Then COVID happened and I was isolated. And I couldn't get to the right people. And it's, it's a struggle, but there's a lot of good things that have come out of COVID. There's some challenges as we all know, but I, I tell you this, you know, for you and your path, you know, doing what you do, what a, what a, what a blessing that has, you know, been. So a lot of kudos to you, Jamie. Absolutely. Thank you. It's been life changing. And I, I, I absolutely adore the people that I work with. And not only do I adore the people that come in to our shelter for help. I adore like these people, these people that I work with. And I I, got to mention this because I think this is so important the social workers, the, um, you know, the drug and alcohol counselors, all the people that I work with, these are people that literally spend their lives helping people. And the craziest thing about it is I, when I first started working there, I realized that there's all these older women that work there. Well, my age, like between my age and, you know, maybe younger, but these people have gone through university. They've paid so much money to help people because they are compassionate individuals. I found out they get paid so little. We get paid to build infrastructure. We get paid so much money in the skilled trades. And these people who build people. Yeah, humans. Get so little. They get so little. And it's to me, that just blows my mind. Yeah, Uh, I I, absolutely. And you really have to get when the people that I have that passion for and that purpose, they're, they're, uh, actually the money is secondary to them. It's that connection of the people and the connection of what they're doing. And that's how they get paid is by making a positive difference. So definitely track with you, James, 
You kind of just moved on me, sir. I just took a break. Okay, I'm bored. That's fine. I don't know. I had to ask for another bucket of internet out here in the Texas rural America. Well, that's okay. You're 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 still good with us, brother. You barely missed a beat. Well, I appreciate y'all's patience. Jamie, um, one thing you said in the pre-show that I just kind of wanted to bring back around and that that I it really hit me was it almost goes back to something we mentioned in the series a lot, which is that you know, these struggles, these mental health um, issues are not what defines people, right? And you mentioned just the stories behind these, these awesome stories behind these folks that otherwise, you, like Jim said, we never would have maybe walked past them every day on the way to work. And you get kind of behind the scenes look into that life, you know, that they once had. Yep. It's interesting. Some of the stories that I've heard um, and, and because I'm not, I think because I'm not a social worker, some of these people open up to me in a very, very different way. And so through my experience there talking to these people, I start talking about being, I'm like, I'm not a social worker, I'm a skilled trades worker. And we talk about things very differently and they open up. And I ended up meeting so many women at the shelter that have actually come from a skilled trades background. Oh. And for one reason or another, they end up in this situation, which reminds me, I am now quite cognizant of the fact that all of us are just a couple paychecks away from being in that situation. And whether it had to do with an injury in the workplace that they never recovered from and lost their job, or, you know, they, they ended up with a sickness and they were put on medications and became addicted to those medications. And then when they were cut off and lost their jobs, they ended up turning to street drugs. There's just so many stories and it's just, it, it blows my mind, the stories that you've seen and how successful these people are. And some of them are just trying so hard to get back to who they were and they struggle with those mental health and addictions. Let me just ask you a quick question, though. You, you know, you have the, the initial passion of kick-ass careers or ongoing passion of that. And then you've kind of have this light that has been shining now with doing what you're doing now. Have you had many success stories where you working in the shelter and finding somebody that not only wants to better themselves, but also wants to follow down as a skilled trade? Have you been able to do the, the, the both of them? I try to, um, for some of them, it's, it's difficult because they're kind of stuck in that situation and the housing pricing up here, I'm sure it's like this everywhere. The housing prices is not affordable, but we have families that come into the shelters that sure. they just can't afford housing. And with the COVID crisis, I mean, people yeah. lost their jobs. They lost their homes. Um, they got stuck homes with their spouses, domestic abuses at an all time high mental health, all those things. Right. Um, yeah. But there is one woman who was coming into the shelter and she has a little bit of a sad story. I can tell it really quickly. She was very successful in skilled trade. She owned her own company. She was um, a millwright. She had all this extra training and she specialized in inspections and fixing mistakes. And she traveled all around with her own company all over Ontario, our province, and did these jobs. And she was one of the very few females in the job site. And so she got a lot of picked on, bullied, whatever. She eventually ended up meeting a man in the industry who became very abusive towards her. And her mental health started to decline. And eventually she got so low on herself 
that she literally took some drugs in attempt to commit suicide mm. and it didn't work. And she became addicted to this and she ended up on the street. She ended up in a very bad space and her head space wasn't good. And this woman I have seen go from a really bad situation to going over and getting into our transitional program where they provide them with a living circumstance to help them get back on their feet, get housing and start over. And she is now in her own housing again, and she is working on her own mental health. And when she is ready, she knows that she just has to contact me. And I've already talked to some friends at the Boilermakers Union. I am going to bring her over there and try to get her signed up. So that might be one success story. Just holding on for. Oh, I, I, I love that, and I, I guess that's a, another point I want to get your pick your brain on. There, there are people in. I know we mentioned this at the the group that I work with here. Not necessarily substance abuse, but substance concerns. And the reason we say that is that somebody could be just using some things in a way where on the surface, they don't look like they're addicted or an alcoholic, but inside they're hurting and they may just have a concern with how much they're using. And, and again, for the audience too, we have uh, audience members from around the globe, I'll say, and this has nothing to do with political boundaries. This is a, something that you know all over the world people are struggling with potentially. Do you have any advice for people that might may have that are feeling that they have some substance concerns, some mental issues, you know, mental concerns from themselves? What would be the first step that they would do to maybe look for help? Well, and I'm really getting passionate about the subject and I'm learning a lot more about it. So what I learned, I will share. I had no idea about a lot of these issues before I started working at the shelter and some of my own life experiences. And what I started to do is I started to look things up online. I started talking to the people that I worked with because I worked with a lot of like social workers, behavioral therapists and all this type of thing. And I really found a lot of resources and information online. Okay. Um, and, and that's really important. And then once it's the thing that people have to break the stigma, you have to talk about these concerns. And the problem is, is that people hide them. They want people to think yeah. they're okay. And yep. so they hide behind these masks yep. or these substances when really, if they could just go get help and open up about it, it can change their life. Yep. And James says this so many times, he's like, don't suffer in silence. And that can be a very depending on what it is, it could be just struggling at work or it could be a substance, substance concern or anything in between or there. And I think that's the one thing that I do love the time that we're living in because right now, if somebody says I have a concern over a substance, so many times the HR department is there to say, hey, we have some resources to help you. Or if they're not working right now, hey, we know this center or we know this organization that could help you. And so many people yeah. want need and desire to help folks so there's lots of avenues great idea and jamie i i would say that's a big reason this show exists and that this particular series is because of that very fact like um we do have a platform you know albeit maybe not a very big one um but we do have a platform and we do have an audience and we have you know a message to be able to share 
And that's why that was so is so important to us and why we're so excited to have you on today to, to share your story. Because, and I was just sitting here, Jimmy, I don't know about you, but we started this a couple of years ago, Jamie, as we talked about in the pre-show, honestly, for Jim's mental health yeah. and, and, my, and my own, selfishly. Yeah. Um, we started it right as the pandemic uh, began. And um, the fact that we're sitting here having this conversation with you on a totally different topic than what we would have thought we'd been having is the proof of, of you know, kind of the fruits of our labor. It was kind of one of those moments that I was like, man, yep. I like what I'm doing, you know? I need to get emotional. Wow. I know, but you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it, when we started it, it was really like a to sub in for conferences and yeah. being able to yeah. touch base with our friends and, and vendors and things like that. And then when we, as it's grown and changed, to be able to deliver topics like this is, I mean, that's really why we're doing it, right? Right, yeah. being brave. If, if James, I'm going to dare say, if, if somebody would have said that we were going to be talking about mental health series yeah. in March of 2020, I would have been like, no. Get out of town, yeah. right? With, yeah, it's not it's not normal in our industry. It's not normal in a lot of industries. And yeah. there is a stigma. And normalizing some of this conversation is a big part of it. Jamie? One thing, I just heard my daughter laugh in the background. I hope everybody got that. Uh, Well-timed. Jamie, one thing. Before we get done, we usually just give folks the floor. And it can be anything. It would be personal. It could be whatever thought you could leave the world with. What would that be? All right. Well, this past... COVID experience has opened up my life to things that I never, ever thought that I would be exposed to, that I would have to understand. And really, I want to tell people that so many people do suffer in silence for many different reasons. I know in the construction industry, there are people that suffer in your job. You suffer if you're not happy in your job. It is going to affect your mental health. If you are not happy in your marriage or your relationship situation, it is going to affect your mental health. And a lot of people don't want to admit that their mental health is suffering. They don't want to admit they're unhappy because of different circumstances. They don't want to leave their job for financial reasons. They don't want to leave their spouse for children or again, financial reasons. But the thing is, is that we have one life to live. And here I am in my 40s, and I am learning for the first time about my own past and my own trauma and the things that I've allowed into my life. I have been so open and honest in my whole life. I have I'm an empath. I always want to help people. And I have a high tolerance for BS that people put me through. And what I've realized since COVID happened is that there are a lot of people that will take advantage of kind and nice people that are just there to try and help. And you know what? That put me into a really bad mental health state myself. And I really started to research how I can change myself so that I can be a better person. And so for people who suffer with mental health, it is so important to admit that there is something that you need help with. 
There are so many resources online. There's so many people in the community that are willing to help people that it is important to reach out. I am finally starting to realize in my lifetime that I've never had boundaries and I've set myself up for failure over and over again because of that. And now that I'm working and I'm so passionate about mental health and I actually want to take concurrent disorders and addictions so that I can speak better about this in the construction industry, because I want to teach people how to have boundaries how to draw lines, and how to understand the different personalities that we're going to work with and how to deal with them so we can succeed. So I encourage everybody to look at yourself and see what needs to change and make yourself a better person by getting the help that you need to combat those situations in your life that cause that unhappiness. Probably one of the most passionate you have the stage end of the shows I've ever been involved with, James. Jamie, unbelievable. Your, yeah. your passion just pours out into this subject matter. Doing good work. Yeah. Keep Thank it up you. out there. It doesn't matter if you're on the, on the tools or not. You're doing it. You're on the tools. You may not call it that, but you got a new on the tools. Appreciate yes, I like, to, I like to see myself as somewhat of an organizer and an educator for the construction industry. Yeah, well, you got our support for it. Hundred percent. Hundred. Love anything we can do to to help push that along. You let us know. Uh, I'd be happy to sit next to you on a panel and talk about it too. Oh, that would be amazing. Let's do it. I Let's think, do it. I, I tell you what, if that happens, uh, I'm going to somehow figure out how to do record it myself so I can <laughs> share that. Honestly, you two, absolutely. Um, I, 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 that's wonderful. Jamie, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, we know that you're busy and you're doing a lot of great things. And for you to take your time to join us today is uh, very, uh, uh, we, we thank you greatly. And reach back there and slap that welder's hamlet, helmet so people know that that's not a fake background. See? Yeah. Look at it. Background. This is actually my welding helmet. <laughs> I have a whole, I don't know if you can see it, but I have a whole shelf of tools because when I talk to kids in schools, I oftentimes will get dressed up and um, do different presentations in different gear to show them, you know, some of the different stuff that we wear in the workplace. James, Love you it. see that one side, prove them wrong. You see I that like up it. there? I like it every day. Yeah. Absolutely. Prove them wrong. So the best revenge. See that? Yeah, uh, that is. That's a, I, I, I'm telling you, you and James could probably go on for an hour about, I mean, James's background is the story of his life and his mind right there. I love looking at it because it's like, that's that's James inside. Chaos. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> or like chaos. If chaos was a brand. No. <laughs> Jamie, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, uh, we'll have to have you back uh, later down the road and uh, we wish you continued success. All right. And it was a complete honor to get your, when I got the email about this, I was like, oh my God, they haven't forgotten me. I love it. <laughs> we have not. Thank you, Jamie. Until next time on Coffee with Jim and James, everybody, please stay safe and uh, see you soon. Jamie, this is where we kind of dance out if you want to, mm -hmm. you know. I'll do a robot kind of move. Wait, I hold, drink I hold logo. Oh, oh look yeah. at that. We're going to upgrade that. Upgrade in place. <laughs> 
It's on the way. All right. All righty.